When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the new over the monsters of socks podcast the what we are what? no longer the over the monster podcast however we are still on the over the monster podcast network and to ease the transition we're going to combine the names to over the monsters of socks but not really we are the monsters of socks podcast i am brian joiner he is dan secretary dan how you doing I'm doing good. We are so we are the Monsters of Socks podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, the Monsters of Socks podcast on the Monsters of Socks podcast network, an affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network, in association with OverTheMonster.com and SB Nation, a subsidiary of Vox Media Inc. There you go. That's you how we start every all, show from now on. You will all be quizzed on that. <laughs> but the good, the better yeah. news is there is we, actual baseball content to devour and devouring it. Yeah. We have been. We have. It, it is uh, happy, happy spring, by the way. It's March 2nd, second day of spring, according to my own personal seasonal calendar. Yeah. Your seasonal calendar is better than the actual calendar um in the sense that you know winter begins on thanksgiving yes thank you thank you all right you know what i i wasn't gonna do this i'm gonna do this right now um because you 
just what you just said is the reason why I created my own seasonal calendar. Uh, because the, the, the standard calendar is garbage when it comes to the seasons. And it's mostly because of what you just said, like the standard calendar with, with spring beginning and March 21st and winter beginning and December 21st. Um, that's based on like the movement of the sun and the moon or whatever, which, which I suppose was really relevant to human beings 2000 years ago when we didn't have sophisticated timekeeping mechanisms. You needed the sun and the moon to know what day it was. Um, but that's obviously completely irrelevant to our life. There's uh, there's never been a single minute of my life where I have needed to know what phase the moon was in at all for any reason whatsoever. So that calendar is garbage because winter, like you said, winter does not begin on December 21st. It absolutely does not. Um, so there's another seasonal calendar called the meteorological calendar that doesn't use the sun and the moon. It's it's what weathermen use, thus the name. And they just broke it down much more elegantly and simply where they said the three hottest months of the year on average are June, July, and August. That's summer. The three coldest months on average are December, January, February. That's winter. The season, the months in between are your spring and your fall. So I, I use that as my basis. And like you said, I start, so I start winter on December 1st. You can start starting it the day after Thanksgiving is not a bad idea either. I'm actually going to consider that. Um, but you have to start winter at least on December 1st because there's no way, right? Like when it's December 20th and you have a Christmas tree up and there's a, you know, a, a nice atmospheric snowfall out the window and like your kids are watching Frosty, that's not fall. That That's winter. <laughs> that's winter. Your calendar needs to reflect that. So I start winter on December 1st, goes through February 28th. Now I get a I got a jump start on spring. Everyone else is like, oh, winter, three more goddamn weeks of winter. Not for me. I'm already in spring. Spring goes until the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. Right? Because Memorial Day weekend, everyone knows that's summer. If you're at a if you're at a barbecue that Saturday or Sunday, if you're at the lake or at the beach, that's summer. That is not spring. We're not we're not waiting until June 21st to start summer. That's insane. So I start my summer and Memorial Day weekend. And then summer to fall is the tricky one. I don't have a set date for that. Uh, I, summer in my calendar goes at least through Labor Day for the same reason as Memorial Day. If you're at a Labor Day barbecue, that is summer. Um, and then especially now with climate change too, we have, you know, we got some hot, lazy September days. Um, but the first day of fall is something that I, like I say, I don't have it set on a calendar. It's a feel thing. It usually happens sometime in like the late teens of you know, September 15th through 19th. There will just be one day where I go outside and all of a sudden, like I'm ready to see pumpkins and, and hay bales and corn stalks. And I, so I declare that day. Today is the first day of fall. So there's no set day for that. So that makes fall. sense. I mean, look, the calendar, the calendar's integrity uh, was... <clears throat> immediately called into question when uh, whichever of the Caesars decided to stick their uh, their names right in the middle of it then during <laughs> yeah. December it was the 10th month the 10th as the 12th month yeah. and November then it was Julius right the 11th I think it was, it was. He, did, he did July he did July for himself and August for his son unless it was Augustus and he did July for his father I don't know <clears throat> But was there was his science son or his that. nephew. I thought he was his nephew. Oh, good point. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't think it was a biological son. Yeah. So that's I, why I not... my 
I'm not going to look it up. No, I'm not going to do I'm it. I'm not up on my Roman history. Funny. Every uh, now and again, I've tried to get into Roman history. Um, and it's just never quite happened for me. There's a popular history book called SPQR. I started that, that I, book. I know did how you read this the whole thing? I did. I did. <laughs> you did? Okay, yeah. Yeah. I also went to Rome on my honeymoon. How'd that work out for me? Uh, all the, this whole discussion reminded me, you know who Tom Skoka is, right? The uh, the old Deadspin guy? Correct. Is that uh, how his he, name is? Is I, I, I was in my head, I was saying Saka for no, the last Skoka. It's Skoka, okay. He wrote a Twitter thread that is at this point seven and a half years old that I think of often when it comes to seasons. And he said, there are eight seasons, not four. This is the problem. Now this won't report mm, exactly mm. with what you said, but it'll basically be, I'll just go through them. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, go for it. These are in terms of his ranking. I'm not going to, he didn't do them chronologically. So I'm just going to go through his ranking of them. Number one, colorful fall, mid-September through October. Number two, green spring, May through mid-June. Three, green summer, mid-June through July. These complete the good seasons, he says. <laughs> the season's okay in their place. Four, white winter, mid-December through January. Disagree, but that's okay. Five, yellow summer, August through mid-September. Then he gets into the bad seasons. Six, brown spring, mid-March through April. Again, disagree. Seven, gray winter, February through mid-March, hard degree, and the worst, gray fall, November through mid-December. I would swap the last two, but I think that what we've all decided here is that the calendar lies and you shouldn't trust it. It does lie. I don't really have a problem with, with late fall. I think late fall is kind of atmospheric and and beautiful in its own way. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely have to disagree with him with that. But early spring just is is fucking awful. <laughs> There's no disputing that. Early spring well, is the worst. Especially when you start it in March, which yeah. I also do. Yeah. However, you gotta, you it gotta could get be it worse. Over. Could be worse. Could be February. <laughs> I will say this. Um, I... We'll come back to this conversation in three weeks when it's still March and it's still 40 degrees and you're wondering why the hell does this month just drag on so much? We'll come back to this. Um, but I, I, I am, I, I was rethinking my stance that February was worse than March this morning uh, just because it's, it's not a nice day here in Boston, but it's a little bit more mild and it's a, it's a, a mild rain that I woke up to. It felt like spring and I got excited. And I also, I got to tell you something else. I, I threw some shade at spring training a couple of episodes ago. Last night, I did something I've never done before in my life. I watched a replay of a two-day-old spring training game from start to finish. I did, I've never done that before. I, like I said, I nor, and, and it, it, was, it was the game where the Sox played uh, – Miami on the other coast and Casas was the only starter in the lineup. So it wasn't even a, it wasn't a strong uh, lineup of regulars. It wasn't even a strong prospect lineup. Really. Rafaela got in eventually. Um, 
but uh, you know, it, it wasn't that. Except, but I got to tell you, I watched it. Well, the, the reason why I watched it is because I, I missed the game when it happened, <clears throat> and uh, but I saw that Costas hit a home run. Which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted it out. I, I looked it up. I actually did some. I did some real baseball writer journalist research last night. He hit a home run off a lefty in this game. It was the first time in 656 days that Tristan Costas hit a home run off a lefty in a game setting. That included. I looked up his his numbers from last spring training as well. Uh, so you know, I'm sure I'm sure he's done it in in BP sessions and things like that in the interim. But the first time in a game setting since like last since it was either May or June 2021, the last time he did that. Um, so he's looking good. I wanted to see that highlight, uh, and and I pulled up the highlight, and then I was like, you know what else? I kind of want to let me let me just dive into a, a game and 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 get a feel for the rule changes because I've been a huge advocate for these rule changes. Um, I, I, but that's always been on a theoretical level. I obviously haven't seen them in action in Major League Baseball, and I've caught I've caught a few innings here and there of spring training games, but I hadn't I hadn't watched a game from start to finish. Uh, I had nothing else to do. It was ten o'clock at night, so I, so I put it on. I put it on the game, and I watched the replay, and I skipped the commercials uh, on on the MLB app, which made it easy. Um, it was it was amazing, Brian. It was amazing. The game is moving at such a great pace and clip right now. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. The camera angle was really weird. I don't know if you saw this game at all. The camera at Miami's spring training stadium, the center field camera, was at field level, which I have never seen before. It was incredibly annoying when there was a runner on second because the runner on second would be there. The umpire would be there. And then the shortstop was frequently like darting in and out of, of the frame. And so there were many times where you really couldn't see the pitch when it crossed the plate. But that was incredibly annoying. But every other time it was kind of fascinating because I didn't, you don't you don't realize how distorted the strike zone from the bottom to the top is on the standard center field camera in major league games when when that camera is, you know, at least 15, 20 feet off the ground. Um it was really kind of fascinating to see to see these pitches and and where where high strikes were actually hitting on on a hitter's on a hitter's abdomen and and where low strikes were hitting. Uh, it was kind of cool, and I just I just, I just had a great I had a great time watching a two day old spring training baseball game last night, Brian. I think I, I think I've been spring training red pilled, or have you just been pitch clock red pilled? It might be that. It might be that. Have you, have you seen any action yet? What are your thoughts so far? I did. I want you to guess. I tuned in to like the sixth inning of the game against the Rays on Sunday, I think it was. I want you to guess what Red Sox hitter was up when I tuned in. The first thing I saw this year. <laughs> sixth inning. Um, first thing you saw this year. Okay. What would be what would be the most who would be the most notable hitter for you <laughs> to want to bring this up? Um, was it Jaron Durant? No, no, it wasn't. It was Am just on the nose in its sixth inning of the early spring training. It was Nico Goodrum. Oh, Nico. Nico kicked off Nick, Nico kicked off the season uh, yeah. for me with, I believe, a strikeout. Mm, there you go. Okay. First of, of what uh, will probably be many, since his, in his last stint in the big leagues, he struck out in 50% of his at-bats. 
So I haven't watched very much. Do you think they need to make the pitch clock a little bit longer? Or you think people just adjusting? No, everyone will adjust. Everyone will adjust. It is. Um, I'm sympathetic. I, I I tweeted back and forth with this with with Jake Wallinger a little bit. Our uh, pod on Lansdowne counterpart. It it is when you see the clock, it is a little stressful, and I don't need that in my life. I don't need my eyes to be darting back and forth between the pitcher and the clock. Um, but the broadcast that, that I was watching the other night before I put the, the Nesson broadcast on is, is, uh, the, the Bally sport, well, the, I guess they're going under, <laughs> but the, the Bally sports bug just, just had the clock in, in a very unobtrusive spot on their, on the bottom of their sports bug. It, they only popped it up when it hit eight seconds. You didn't even notice it was there. Uh, I, I was totally fine with it and, and just the game flew by. It was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, we give Manfred lots of crap that he has absolutely earned. Yeah. But if this works, this will change things dramatically. Yeah. Well, we don't have to give the credit to Manfred. We can give it to Theo. We can, we can just we can just pretend Manfred had nothing to do with this and just say it was all Theo. We can do the same thing with the 2004 title team. So let's do it. <laughs> Why not? Not Manfred, but, you know. Yeah, Henry at all. Yeah. So I would say the biggest news of the week, which isn't really actually big news, is that Matt Barnes <clears throat> is pissed off by the way High and Bloom operates or operated with him, which really isn't big news at all. But we did have a little back and forth because you thought, and many people thought, Matt Barnes, you signed a I don't know if it's these two things are mutually exclusive, but you did sign a relatively big contract and then stunk afterward. So in that sense, you of all people have little right to complain, but I disagreed saying that first of all, he's a human being. Second of all, he's seen a lot of stuff with this uh, organization. And I think it could have just been blowing off some steam, but do you have anything to add to the Matt Barnes lovers scorned, Discussion. Not really. <laughs> okay. Neither do no, I. Did you have you listened to this week's pod on Lansdowne yet? Because I have some no, bad no, news I haven't. for you. Okay. Um, I have some bad news for you because I know you. I, I we're all aware of the teen girl crush you have on pod on Lansdowne. Uh, they strongly and unifiedly disagreed with your take that good. Barnes has anything good. to complain about. Good. I mean, look, he's it, you know. He's I didn't a, say he middle, has nothing to complain about. I said he, said he, has, he has a right, right to, be, to mad. be mad. Yes. Yeah. Although he said in his own words, I'm not mad. Don't put in the papers that I'm mad. Very convincing. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's mad. He's ticked for sure. Um, I, I think looking at the situation, my guess is is that what upsets him most is sort of the timing of everything. Um, this guy's an organizational lifer who has had some very good highs with this team. He's had a lot more just mediocrity and some really low lows, but he's had his highs. And, um, you know, he, he struggled out of the gate last year and then was hurt for a while and came back and, and was pretty effective. 
and was was probably looking forward to a chance to bounce back and, and prove that he you know still belonged at the big league level. And I think the timing of it probably just, it caught him off guard. Uh, you know, he, he probably wasn't happy. He probably read all the Ryan Brazier tweets and wondered why me. Uh, so I could see why he's upset about that. But like, he's a career middle reliever. I think he has like four WAR somewhere over his career. You know, and look, I get, by some arguments, he's one of the best Red Sox relievers of all time. If you know, if you really look at his career, just because he's he's been he's he's in like the top five in appearances and things like that. Um, but he's a reliever. They're they're an unnatural part of baseball that that, that uh, they individually bring very little value to the game, either either on the field in terms of wins and losses, uh, or even aesthetically. Aesthetically, I hate the entire concept of relief pitching. Um, so I just just come on. Let's what 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 are we doing here? I can easily follow his logic. I see. I think the contract thing works the opposite way that most people were saying it works because I think what he was saying was, I signed the contract, I got hurt, and then it wasn't good. But like, if you signed me to that contract, you thought I was good. I've been here forever, and now you're pulling the plug. And I agree with you. And. My point that he's allowed to be mad is sort of just like anyone who gets fired or like reassigned at work is probably going to have some valid reason to be mad. Yeah. And that that is a good point. I I don't begrudge him being bitter towards a boss who he thinks has mistreated him because I have been there, Matt Barnes. I have been there. You hear that, Barack? Not, not, not with him per se. Well, so I, I don't think that I was making a grand statement of Matt Barnes's right. I just thought that he was well within his rights. He didn't really say that much, as you said. He said he was not mad, mm-hmm. which he is. He's mad. <laughs> He's extremely mad. You can say you can say whatever you want to say. Uh, that the totality of your words is, is, makes it pretty clear that he's dead. And I also and think they, that Blyer will be better than him this yes, year. So I'm not saying that it was the wrong move, and that's why he has a right to be mad. I'm just bringing some much needed humanity and um, uh, perspective to a situation that you and pot on Lansdowne just are too narrowly focused to properly (laughs) analyze. So I'm glad to be instructive to more people. That's why I'm glad they disagree. That's that, that is your beat. You, you are, you are over the monsters. uh, You're, you're on the compassion beat. And Monsters of Socks now. That's another resume. Monsters line. of Socks. Yep. There you go. Two That's of them. true. Yeah. And yeah. then you get the fans first. Oh my God. We're adding a lot. Do you have anything else about the Red Sox you want to talk about before we get into World Baseball Classic? I ask because I know you have a lot to say about World Baseball Classic, and I think that could go I for do. a while. I do. Um, no, I don't think so. Jaron Duran looks good. Um, the man Skip, well, hold on. Say, good. say that again into the mic. Jaron Duran looks good. He's got his hands down lower. He looks beefed up. Uh, he wants he wants to win a spot. He does not want to go back to Worcester. Who would? <laughs> we actually have a number of, of staffers from Worcester. That's why um, I say it. 
Yeah, I've like never well, mostly been just Worcester Jake Devereaux. Life, yeah, Jake and and uh, Dean Roussel too is is a Worcester guy now as well. He still lives there. Jake's from there. Dean still lives there. I've never been to Worcester. I don't think. Have you I've just driven Worcester? through it. And... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not even driven through it really because. It doesn't when you when you take the pike from to New York, you kind of skirt around it, so you don't. So I haven't even really seen. It. Uh, so Worcester listeners, let us know if we're missing out on something. I don't think we are, but uh, you know, let let Do us they know. Have on a Twitter. little airport that like is easier to use than Logan because that would be something. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure they do have an airport and I'm sure it is easier to use than Logan, but, uh, there's not, there's not like a train that gets you there. And if you're taking a cab, it's still, it's like a 50 minute drive. So I don't, I mean, it can be 50 minutes to get from East Boston under the Harbor too, but at least, at least you can, you know, you, you get off, you get off your plane at Logan, you see the skyline, you, you know, you're in the right spot. Yeah. You know, I, with Worcester. I, with Worcester, <laughs> It just, uh, I live right near White Plains and Hartford and like Rochester, New York, all these towns that have seen their industry sort of die out. They all, they're all sort of the same to me. They're they're towns that, speaking of Tom Skoka's, like I, I picture all of these cities in a perpetual state of gray spring. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Well, do we have ads? Do I need to do an ad break? What's going on? Here uh, uh, we may. Well, technically, we're still on the SB Nation feed today. Can't get rid of um, us that easily. Can't get rid of us. I'm not 100% sure when we'll migrate over. To clarify to listeners, again, Brian said this, but just to clarify, you do not need to do anything. Uh, we are maintaining the feed. Part on Lansdowne will still be there. The red seat will still be there. Everything will still be on the feed. You will see new artwork uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks, um, but it'll it'll be nice and catchy enough and similar enough that it won't throw you for a loop. Um, and you may start seeing some national shows pop up. Uh, so the network that we're joining, Fans First Sports, uh, is is it's home to a number of of exiled SB Nation pods. Um, and and they're also a large large number, a large number across, across all sports. Um, and we're going to do some collaboration with them. And there, there are going to be some national baseball podcasts that we're going to put on the feed. There might be some national baseball podcasts that Brian and I, uh, contribute to. Um, so we'll see about that. If you don't care about that, that's fine. We we won't be offended. Just, just ignore it and and click on our show. Uh, we would prefer that anyway, if you're going to choose between two, listen to ours. Uh, but yeah, so just to clarify, listeners don't need to worry about or do anything or subscribe or anything. We are just, we're really just changing the name. This was all just a big much ado about a line on an accounting sheet and nothing more. The one thing you need to do if you haven't done is give us five stars. In the words of Bomani Jones, if you only give us four stars, I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. There you go. If anything, things are only going to get better around here. So, That's exciting. Also exciting is the World Baseball Classic, which we'll talk about coming up after this. We're back. It's time to talk World Baseball Classic. Dan is excited. He's very excited. I am also excited. We're going to draft teams to root for, but I think we're probably just going to talk in general first a little bit about it. Dan, why are you so pumped? I absolutely love 
international baseball. Um, I always have, and it's been uh, it, that that has not always been an easy position to be in. It's for for some of the younger people. I, I noticed that, like like Pot and Lansdowne guys, for example, they're they're completely pumped about this. They have no reservations about this. It's hard to describe how many quote unquote baseball fans just really had such a visceral hatred of the World Baseball Classic back in 2006 when it first came up. I mean, it was just people really, really hated it. They hated that players were missing spring training. They hated that there was an injury risk. They hated that it was a tournament where where uh, one game could swing the outcome instead of 162. People just really, really hated the entire concept. And that just – so part of it was my natural contrarianism, being like this, the, the hatred that this tournament is receiving is just ridiculous. Um, but just the, then the other part of it is how, how can you not love this? Like, you know, we've, we've talked a lot on this pod about international soccer. Um, and, you know, I, back when the WBC started, I, I wasn't much of a soccer fan. But you still watch the World Cup every four years. And even if you didn't know about soccer, you watched that tournament and you said, my God, this is fucking amazing. Why can't we as Americans have something like this? And while basketball is, of course, a, a very international sport, baseball is, is the only American sport that actually has foreign teams of uh, you know, of a quality that actually can consistently compete with the United States. Whereas international as basketball is, and sure, like Spain is, is going to go and win a, a gold medal with the Gasol brothers every now and again. But there is no country on earth that is ever going to match the depth of the United States, or at least not for the next 50 years until China catches up, maybe. Um, but in baseball, like you look at the Dominican roster, you look at the Japanese roster, Venezuela, like these, these teams are just, they're, they're loaded. They're super talented, and it, this is really the only American sport where this is the case, where we have developed leagues in other countries and other countries producing high-end talent. That, that in this tournament, this tournament should have been started forty years ago. Forget about fifteen years ago. We should have been doing it this whole time. It it should be a bigger deal. We should have more international competitions in between the WBC. Like the, the Caribbean series right now, which of course is, is a is a club competition, it's the champions of the winter leagues. There should be an actual Caribbean series every two years where the Dominican national teams and the Venezuelan and the Cuban teams play each other. Like that would be a blast. We should I guess we can play the Canadian and Mexican teams in a in an APTA tournament every now and again. Um, so I, I, I love it. I love the concept. I think the gameplay is fun and exciting. Uh, there are things that bother me about it for sure. Um, you know, I, I hate that it's in spring training and I, mostly because of what that does to the pitching, as long as it's held in spring training and as long as it impacts the pitching the way it does, it, it will never truly feel like real baseball. Um, but uh, you know, other than that, I, I, I love just about everything about it. What I love and as I mentioned on this podcast, I won't, I'm sorry, on the old podcast mentioned that I went to the semifinals and the finals of the first tournament. But what I didn't mention is that my group of friends, all from Queens virtually and all extreme contrarians, the second we heard about this, this is a group of 20 something bozos, right? 
I think like eight to 10 of us went, all went out there. We got tickets the second they went on sale because we thought maybe we were a little bit, um, just thought everyone liked the same stuff we did, but we got them the day they went on sale, like the second they went on sale to, to lock ourselves into going. And it was a whole group of us. And it was the beautiful thing about it is that, and I talked about the Japan Korea game, which is the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game, the semifinals. Only in the US, among these red ass people, is it supposed is baseball supposed to be serious and you're supposed to act the right way? Yeah. Carlton Fisk, it's not play ball, it's work ball. Everybody everywhere else they have fun and they go mm-hmm. crazy. And it that is the like Japan really, really wants to win. DR really, really wants to win. I think that that has actually rubbed off on the U.S. in some ways, uh, in the sense that I'm guessing this U.S. team really, really wants to win. And I don't think I thought that of, I mean, they won last time, but of the early iterations, uh, because the gameplay and the timing was foreign to them. And I think that given the dynamics of the baseball season, the spring training world baseball classic is just a sunk cost. There's there's sort of nothing you can do about it unless you held it in the middle of the year, but which you could do, which you could do. I was like, why is that? Why is that such a crazy outlandish idea that we can't even entertain? That once every four years, we'll take a couple of weeks off in July. Here's why. Here's why. For the same reason that owners collude to keep down salaries. That yeah. would cost them money. And they don't well, want to do it, that. It would cost them money. But what I've always thought about this tournament is that they're, they're short-sighted if they're just worried about losing a few gate receipts in July. Because this is something that can elevate the sport of baseball in, in a way that, like I said, football can never do this. The NFL will never be able to do this. The NBA, like I said, can do it and does do it. But again, not to the same extent. There is no basketball equivalent right now of the Dominican Republic or Japan or Cuba or Venezuela. There are good international teams, but there's no teams like that where basketball is also the national pastime. Maybe, like I said, China... When I went, I, I went to China for a couple of times, um, and at, at, China seemed to me to be basketball obsessed. Uh, and and this was at least ten years ago now. And and I've been I've been ever since then I've been waiting for the wave of Chinese players hit the NBA, and I'm sort of surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, but outside of China, you know, even these other countries that are excellent at basketball, Argentina is excellent at basketball, but Argentina doesn't care about basketball the way that the Dominican cares about baseball the same thing with spain same thing with you know whatever country you want to you want to talk about baseball is the only american sport that has the opportunity here to create a real meaningful international tournament to bring in new fans what what international tournaments do better than anything else in sports is bring in casual fans right like any any american who's ever gone to a bar during a world cup game knows that international tournaments bring in casual fans 
if if we actually started having a U.S. national team that regularly competed for something and had an identity, then now you have an opportunity to bring in fans who who maybe don't have Major League Baseball near them and have never really had a hometown team. So I think long term, international baseball could be and should be a huge money maker for the sport. But the owners don't care at all because they don't want to give away a couple of July gate receipts. It, well, there's there's small t- major league baseball owners for the large part are actually small time <laughs> businessmen, mm-hmm. and that I would it would take a, a a really concerted effort, and I think a lot more brains just in the tops, the very tops of organ. I'm talking the owners. I'm not talking about the gym. I'm not talking about people you hire talking about the people who make the decisions about the sport, because mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think, I don't think it's hyperbole and I don't think you need to look any further than the world cup final this year, which was among casual fans and among soccer nuts almost immediately declared correctly. I think one of, if not the single greatest spec sports spectacles of all time. Unquestionably, unquestionably. And you know, and, and you know the thing about that too, and this directly relates to the World Baseball Classic. Um, among real soccer aficionados look down on the quality of play at the World Cup compared to European club competitions. Um, it, it simply, it just isn't as good because there's so much, so much of soccer relies on partnerships and schemes that the players develop on the field. And the, the international teams just don't have the time to do that compared to the European club teams. And so there's, there's no question amongst real soccer knowers that the level of play in the World Cup is worse than the level of play in the Champions League. But nobody cares about that. <laughs> but European soccer fans don't get all snobby about it then and go, well, I'm not watching the World Cup. The way that American baseball fans get about the WBC, just because, again, the, the level, certainly from a pitching aspect, it isn't quite – the same as Major League Baseball it isn't quite as competitive. The pitchers aren't are pitching the same. They're not. No one's ever going to go nine in a World Baseball Classic game in the current format. And and people up for there. There's certain people who will cling to that and say it's not real baseball. Um, but that you know that's the case in a lot of these other international sports too. And the fans don't care because the fans like to have fun and like to watch their sport and like to enjoy it. We put a runner this. on second base now just for fun. Yeah. Like, don't tell me what real baseball is. The other part about it, and it dovetails with what you were saying about soccer being so much about the relationships and understanding basketball the same way. That's true in baseball to a far lesser extent. Exactly. You don't need that. You're right. You don't. You don't need that. It doesn't. Doesn't matter. See the ball. Ball. Doesn't matter that Mike Trout hasn't hasn't played next to Bryce Harper in the regular season. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. You're right. Like the teams that, if if they could get it out of March, if they got it out of March and let the pitchers pitch, then you would unquestionably see a higher level of baseball. A real baseball game in the middle of July between Team USA and the Dominican Republic would be the highest level baseball game that has ever been played in the history of the sport. It really, really would. And yet we just don't seem to care to do that. 
No, they do just enough to sell the t-shirts or to sell the jerseys and caps, some of which are nice, some of which are weird. That is part of my ranking. Oh, okay. I, I, I can't wait to hear this. Yeah. Of teams uh, that we're going to pick. But with all that said, let's just dive into it. You can go first. This is your, this is your, uh, clearly your passion project. What is the uh, number one team that you'd pick to root for this World Baseball Classic? This is a very easy pick. Um, I don't know. Uh, this isn't as big a story as it should be. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons being that some of the best players from this country, unfortunately, are not playing for some re- for reasons, one reason or another. Um, and also, the political situation has just it's it's gradually shifted instead of being a quick shift. But the Cuban national team, for the first time in its history, is going to be made up of players who are both domestic Cuban players and players. Who have defected from the country. Uh, this is a major, major deal. Of course, like Cuba, Cuba was the Dominican Republic before the Dominican Republic. Uh, they, they were playing baseball before any other country in the Caribbean. They're the country that taught the rest of the Caribbean to play baseball. It wasn't us. It was Cuba that taught the rest of the Caribbean to play baseball. Um, and obviously, when the revolution happened, the flow of Cuban baseball players to Major League Baseball, which was really only only getting underway, of course, they had been playing in the Negro Leagues for decades, was completely shut off. During that time, the Cuban national team became legends in international baseball. They really took the Olympics seriously. They really took international amateur tournaments seriously. Um, But every time a Cuban player would defect, you know, starting with with the Hernandez brothers in the 90s and, um, you know, going all the way up to Jose Abreu, when they defected, they weren't able to play with the Cuban national team in the WBC and the Olympic. This is the first time where these two groups of players, but the players who are still in Cuba and the players who are in the big leagues or in Japan are playing together. Um, so Yohan Makata is on the team. Luis Robert is on the team. Um, there's a couple, Jose Abreu and, and Jordan Alvarez are not. And my God, if those two guys were in the lineup, this team would be a lot more exciting. So it's unfortunate that if you look at the personnel, this is, this is not, one of the stronger Cuban teams in recent years, but just the fact that this is happening is so cool. I think it should be a bigger deal. They, we, they, it used, Cuban baseball in general used to be so mysterious. Do you remember like when the Orioles played a game in Cuba in the nineties, like the late nineties or something like that? That was a huge deal. Of course, Obama visited a, a couple of years ago and went to a baseball game. That's, that's the only time in my life that I really, really regretted leaving that job. Um, because I, I tuned into the game and saw my old friend. Shout out to JP Evie, big big Giants fan. JP Evie, who who got the advance gig on that, saw him walking walking through the tunnel into that stadium in Havana, ten steps behind him. I was like, God, that uh, I really, I really maybe should have kept going with that that gig for a few for a few years and gotten that. Um, but so I just, I you know, I love the Cuban team. I love the story. I would love to see them win this whole thing. They won't. It's not their best team, but I would love to see it. That's a great choice. I hadn't realized what you were saying until I was looking at the rosters in preparation for this. And I thought to myself, oh, they must have done that before because if they had integrated the players like this, I would have heard about it. But turns out, yeah. nope, not the yeah. case. 
And like I said, I think it's probably less, not as big a story as it would have been if this had happened maybe 10 years ago, just because the sort oh. of the, the opening between the U.S. and Cuba has been a gradual thing that's happened in fits and starts. Um, but yeah, if this had happened 10 years ago, this would be a major story, I think. It, uh, that's a great pick. Uh, that is probably not who I would pick as my first choice. I'm going to be the most basic bitch possible <laughs> and pick DR. Because let me just, let's just, let's just go through um, who, some of the names on it. Let's go through the outfield. Here are the four players they have listed as outfield. Teoscar Hernandez, very, very good baseball player. Eloy Jimenez, lots of power there. Julio Rodriguez, the face mm. of baseball, or at least the face of Topps Baseball 2023. And if mm -hmm. he's not the face of baseball, the face of baseball is Juan Soto, who's the other one in the outfield. That's just the outfield. In the infield, yeah, Manny Machado's there. We'll get over that. He was born in the U.S., though, so we can can hold that against him. He, he was, and he wears he wears Mister Miami on his jersey in Players Weekend too. He's Manny Machado is just very much Manny Machado, and he he's going to be that way for what thirteen more years, eleven more years, mm -hmm. I don't know, more years, lots more years. He's going to be even more Manny Machado because now he's got all those. <laughs> now he's even richer than exactly. he was before. Wander Franco, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jeremy Pena, Keto Marte, and oh yeah, Rafael Devers. Mm. All those guys I mentioned, positional overlapping aside, could be in the same lineup. This is this goes to your theory, which I believe is correct. If there was a game or a series of American baseball players at full strength and Dominican baseball players at full strength. It would be some of the most lights out content in the middle of the summer you could dream up. And they didn't win last time and they won the time before. And I bet they really, really want to win again. They're just very cool. They have Sandy Alcantara as well. He mm -hmm. of the Cy Young Award. There's just a lot to like here. I think that they're, sort of the de facto coolest team every time they run this out. And unlike Cuba, this is one of the stronger teams that they've had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, I don't think this is a basic pick at all. I, I mean, how can, I mean, how can you not? Basic picks can be right. Really? You know? yeah, yeah. 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 They can. They're, the, they're like this, this is, this is the baseball equivalent of the Brazilian national team in soccer. Like that, this is what the Dominican is, the team that is more talented than everybody and has more fun playing with each other than everybody and, and you know, wants to, to – to, they, they, they almost have an identifiable playing style, uh, if you think about it. Yeah, um, be much better than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and and like you said, they are better too. I can, I can remember in, in re they were always stacked on the lineup. 
Um, but I, I can't remember which WBC it was, but there was one WBC where the ace of the staff was Ubaldo Jimenez. You know, like, okay, that has been fine. an issue. Not right. so much. Yeah, now with Alcantara leading the rotation, this team, uh, yeah, I, I, they should be a very strong contender to win the whole thing. Um, like you said, they did win it two tournaments ago. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I will try my very best to not miss a single inning of the Dominican games. I can't argue with this all. Just beyond Devers, Franco, Guerrero, and Machado in the same infield, it's really, what it comes down to it to me, is really just on top of everything else, J-Rod and Soto at this point in their careers playing in this tournament in this situation is how how magical baseball happens. And so like that's I I'm ready for that. Yeah, yeah. I'm pumped. Let's see. Who do we got? Uh the Dominican Republic is in uh, oh that's right. Pool D, the Miami pool, along with Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Israel. That that's that's well, I think we should talk about the pools for a second because I think that there's um you could pre- there's let's just predict very quickly or just, it's less predicting because they're they're very uh you can guess to some degree who's coming out of which pool but there the one you just mentioned could be a tougher one mm-hmm um, I'm trying to pull it up. I got it here. So that's pool D. So again, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Israel, and Nicaragua. I love that Israel is just in with the Latin American countries. Well, it makes sense because it's Miami. Uh, I think that's I honestly think that's probably that why. is a hundred percent right. Because I mean, Cuba could be there, but no, they're playing in Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Taiwan, Pool A is Taiwan, a.k.a. Chinese Taipei, the Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and Panama. Cuba and the Netherlands always get sent to Asia in the in the first round. And, and I feel like they come, probably And they always win stay. the – I mean, they're going to win this pool. They, if those yes, two don't win this pool, it would be well. surprising. It would be shocking. It's, it's actually amazing. Uh, you, you know, the Netherlands, of course, the, the team is – almost entirely Aruba Bonaire Curacao based. Um, but it doesn't have to be. The Netherlands, the continental Netherlands has a legitimate baseball culture. I'll never forget the, the first time I flew into Amsterdam, um, you know, I'm sitting in the window seat and I'm looking down and as is a very common thing to see in, in the United States, when you're flying, you see a lot of baseball fields. And I remember at one point, like looking down at, at suburban Amsterdam and seeing a bunch of baseball fields. And it took me a second to be like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not about to land in Hartford. <laughs> I'm about to land in Amsterdam. This is kind of surprising. Uh, but they are unquestionably the strongest European baseball country. It's, it's them in Italy. And, and Italy historically has been stronger, but the Netherlands has really pulled away in recent decades. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the team now. It's, I guess it's the Andrew Jones effect back, back when this thing started in 20, in 2006, you know, you would see like, like they might, they would have Andrew Jones and then the rest of the names would be guys like Hensley Mullins and sort of these, these, you know, guys who are just guys in major league baseball, along with a handful of, of domestic Dutch players you've never heard of. 
now they are so stacked. They're now they're they are now absolutely one of the more talented rosters in the tournament. And they got X. They got you got X. Yep. So that's pool A. Uh, pool B is Japan, Korea, Australia, China, Czech Republic. If Japan and Korea don't come out of that pool, it would be an absolute shock. Absolute shocker. Although you know, baseball is exploding in the Czech Republic, though. Um, they're obviously not anywhere <laughs> close to competing. Um, and exploding is probably a relative term here. I mean, they're still uh, here. They're, they're, they're here. This far. They're here. Yeah, they're, they're here. And unlike Italy, and, and maybe we can, I don't know, is Italy on your board? Uh, my board is I have a four column board that does not have rankings. I'm sort of pulling up the rankings when I'm asked to make a choice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Italy so, has I, some things going for it. Yes. I, I will say right now, I actually despise the Italian team <laughs> because, uh, because Italy and I'll, I'll, I'll just briefly do this in the context of the Czech Republic. Like I said, Italy has an actual baseball tradition. Uh, particularly in the central part of the country, it, they 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 got the game mostly from U.S. servicemen over there in the wars. Um, there are towns where baseball actually developed into a into a reasonably popular sport, and there have been Italian-born players in Major League Baseball. Alex Liddy was born and raised in Italy, um, so they could have put together a team of of born and bred and born and raised Italians and competed. But the Italian team this time around is almost entirely Americans. Matt Harvey's Matt Harvey is their ace. David Fletcher is on the Italian team, um, and I just re- like I I don't begrudge those guys for wanting to play. Why Why wouldn't you want to play? I would want to play for the Italian team if if I was a major leaguer not good enough to play for Team USA. But it. You're not going to grow the game in Italy by just asking a bunch of Americans to play for you. The Czech Republic team is actually mostly players who, who were born and developed their game in the Czech Republic. So I right, like let's, them. Let's I put a pin in like Czech them. Republic because they're going to come up, obviously. Uh, okay. Also worth noting, Mike Piazza, manager of Italy. Pool C is USA, Mexico, Colombia, Canada, Great Britain. This is not one of Colombia's stronger teams. I would expect USA and Mexico to. Alfaro is playing in it uh, for Colombia. So that's yeah, exciting. he's he's one guy. Yeah, the uh, Canadian team. You're right. The Canadian team's a little weaker than it should be too. Thanks, they, thanks know, largely to the Red Sox taking Nick Pavetta and, and James Paxton. Like it's uh, just the I Freddie like Freeman it. show. I mean, yeah, there are others, yeah. but he's. And then pool D. There's one other, one other name, one other name in that pool you got to mention. Just only, and I say this only because you talked about you talked about the two possible faces of baseball playing for the Dominican Republic, Juan Soto and, and J Rod. Well, there's a third. you miss you Otani miss the is, guy. Otani's the well, there's face. yes, you're right. Otani is the actual face. But if we're talking about if we want to get literal, are you aware of who is gracing the cover of MLB The Show this year? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And are you aware of what team he's playing for? In the I'm WBC? guessing it's Great Britain. It's Great Britain. That's right. Jazz Chisholm. Jazz Chisholm is playing for the Great Britain team. Uh, it seems a, weird a, um, until you look at his last name and they're like, oh, I see it. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, yeah, exactly. Um, so that'll be fun to watch because that, I think, I, I, I have to take a look at the Great Britain roster. Um, that'll be a mix of mostly pasty British guys and then like Jazz Chisholm and a couple of his Bahamian friends. <laughs> so that'd be kind of an interesting dynamic to watch, I think. Uh, 
And I think pool, pool D, as you we got into it, is basically would qualify as the group of death with Israel and Nicaragua, probably not expected to make noise, and then PR, Venezuela, and DR fighting for the two spots. Yeah. So with that, you can pick next. Well, that's a perfect segue because my next pick is Venezuela. Um, Venezuela, I think, if you look at the history of the tournament, is is the team that clearly has not lived up to its potential yet. If, if you look at if you look at the the talent that Venezuela produces in Major League Baseball, they're really they're just a they're just a shade under the Dominican Republic. They're like they're like twenty years behind the Dominican in terms of the, the talent pipeline. Um, but they have not been good in the WBC at all. Uh, and they haven't had as much success as, as not only the Dominican, but Puerto Rico has had much, much more success than them. Um, and it's not their best team this year. The pitching staff is a little light, similar to the Dominican team in recent years. The pitching staff is a little bit light. What? But is it? Yeah, is well, it? You, got, you got the Jesus Lizard. You got yeah. Luis Garcia, the one of the 18 Luis Garcias, but the best one. You got Pablo Lopez. I mean, look, you got Erod. These are not, I mean, with the exception of Garcia and maybe Luzardo, these are not like star pitchers, but they're, I think this pitching staff is much better than some DR teams have run out there. Yeah, I, you might be right about that. You might be right about that. I, I suppose I'm I'm looking at, the, they don't they don't have an ace to match up with with Alcantara. Well, um, neither does anyone in the NL. Neither does, yeah, you're right. Neither, neither does he, he won the Sam for a reason. Um, so, yeah, you know what? You're right. Fair enough, though. I think maybe I was being a little unfair. Uh, the lineup is so fun. The lineup is so fun. And if you remember, for some reason, we discussed Venezuelan Winter League uh, baseball a month back. And I told the story of how Acuna uh, had initially said that he was not going to play. And he was being vilified in the Venezuelan winter league. As a result, fans were fighting with his family in the stands about this. He got bullied into signing up. So, so Acuna is playing um, and Cabrera is playing. This will be, you know, some of the last meaningful competitive baseball Miguel Cabrera ever plays. And like I said, they're a team that they, they've really, really underachieved in this tournament. Uh, so I think they're hungry and I would like to see them have some success. They have just enough talent to, to win it all. Uh, but they really do have it. it. You know, the one thing with these lineups like the U.S. and DR that are just like absolutely laden with talent is not all those guys are likely to play at the same time. I think Venezuela has enough guys that can be on the field at the same time that are good enough that they wouldn't be favored to win, but they certainly could. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Especially guys. But they might who, not even make it out of this group. They might not make it out of this group. I will go next, and I'm going to be basic once again and pick Japan because they love this thing, and now we're getting into the deeper research. They have some they have some jerseys that are not my cup of tea, but they have some pinstriped alternate jerseys that are just so amazing. And if I see Otani pitching that thing, I, I might I might just pass out. So. They have a really compelling team. I mean, they have Otani. That's on top of everything else. If they win, they've now won the majority of the World Baseball Classics. 
that's cool. And I, what I like about them, the DR, and I think the U.S. now is I think they are one of the three teams that can reasonably enter this tournament saying we should win. We should win, yeah. yeah again, I can't, I'm not going to criticize this pick. I don't think it's basic. I think I, they, were, they were the next team on my board. And and it was a lot of you know, for a lot of the same reasons as you said. They really, really, really want to win this, um, and for that reason alone, uh, I I always get behind them. And with Otani playing, I mean, how can you not? How can you not be pumped about this? The one. So I will say one thing about the jersey, um, and I would love to if if you know if the head of if the head of the or if the Japanese minister of sport is listening and wants to. Why don't you come on the pod and answer this for me? There's something that's always bothered me about Japan's jersey, not just in the WBC, but what they play with in the Olympics, what they play with in the World Cup, everything. And that is the fact that in Japan, the country is not called Japan. It's Nippon. So why do they always play with the bastardized Western version of their name on their jerseys? Why? This has bothered me. This has bothered me for decades, Brian Joyner. It really has. And not every, you know, uh, Korea does play with Korea written across uh, their jersey as well. But Taiwan, I'm pretty sure in most tournaments, has used Taiwanese characters on its jersey. Um, I would like to see Japan do the same. I'm not going to tell them what to do, that's not my place. Uh, but I've always been curious as to why they always jump to Japan instead of Nippon. It's a great question, but I'm telling you, these pinstripe jerseys are just beautiful. I also got to say that I was trying to look up all the jerseys. Fanatics only sells jerseys for like eight of the teams. They sell hats for all, they have hats for teams that didn't even make the finals here which we'll get to because I have some runner-ups because there's some hotness. But uh, these jerseys are amazing. I'd re- a Japan DR final is sort of my dream to have. Yeah. If it's Otani pitching and hitting and facing like the DR lineup, that's just like you couldn't script anything better than that. No, so. you can't. And uh, one other note about the Japanese team that I love um, – Again, about my desire to see these teams actually sort of build an identity. Uh, Japan has a nickname. They are known. The, the Japanese baseball team is known in Japan as the Samurai, as Samurai Japan. That is cool as shit. Uh, that's another thing that it is, is widespread in soccer. All of, all of the soccer national teams have nicknames. Team USA doesn't, but all the others do. Um, so I love that Japan has that. I love that they're actually making it an effort to build an identity as a Japanese national baseball team. That's uh, that's almost as good as like the All Blacks. That's that's way up there in terms of. I, I would even say it's better because the All Blacks, as funny as it is to us, just refers to the colors that they wear. That's it. You know, it's yeah, not but that... it's at the at the Las Vegas, Oakland, L.A. Raiders uh, could tell you. Black is cool, so it works. Um, real quick tangent, because I, I do got to tell you this. Uh, do you have any idea or do you want to guess what the nickname is of the New Zealand national basketball team? Oh, I do. Um, it's hilarious. The Tall Blacks. The Tall Blacks. 
They call him the tall black. I knew that. Uh, I would really love for New Zealand to become more competitive in international basketball just just for that. Just for it's that really little factor to become more wide known. It's really wonderful. All right, you're up. There it is. All right. Uh, my pick, so let's see, I've already done Venezuela, Cuba. You took Japan from me. Um, all right. This this next one is tough. Um, I'm tempted to say Korea, but it's for a lot of the same reasons that you just said Japan. The Koreans really, really, really want to win this. Uh, I told the story of, of having gone to a KBO game the most fun baseball experience of my life. I love Korea in general. The food was great. The beach was great. Uh, Korea was one of the, I, I maybe, I've maybe never seen more casual public drunkenness anywhere else in the world than I did in Korea, uh, which I appreciated. So I really loved the country. Um, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I will go with Korea in this spot. I'll say I'll save the team I was I was debating between uh, for for my next pick. So I, I want to see Korea. They really want to win this. They really hate the Japanese team for reasons that go beyond baseball and, and into uh, oh, a legacy of, of ugly twentieth century colonialism. Um, so so they hate Japan. I love watching the Japan Korea teams. And and as much as I like and respect the Japanese team, I would love to see Korea as the little brother of of East Asian baseball overcome their, their foes here. Yeah. I was probably going to take the next for the same reason. Whereas as long as those two make it and play each other in a winner take all game, hopefully like that's all you want. That's all you want. You mm-hmm. want these, they, 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 I, I said this uh, when I talked about going to the first WBC, but Korea had beaten Japan and eat twice in early rounds. And then we're playing them in the semifinals in each row before the game told the Japanese team, he gave them the speech said, let's not make them not want to play us for 50 years. And then he went out and went five for five and they won, legend. which is just, legend. there's no, there's no legend uh, like Ichiro. Is he, he's not on a coaching staff or anything. Is he this year? That would be fun. I mean, I, I find it hard. He could to probably lose. still play, frankly. Oh, not probably. He could absolutely still play. He's not yeah. on the coaching staff. But you know, uh, I forgot that Newt Bar is also on Japan, which just makes me happy. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. is. Yeah, that is interesting too. Um, I'm really curious to see. Again, uh, not a Japan expert, um, but I do remember uh, hearing some things when you Darvish was coming up as a star. Of course, Darvish is, is half Iranian. And um, at least as the story as I read it, Darvish was clearly the, the most talented uh, amateur player in Japan the year he was drafted, but he did not go number one. And my understanding was that there were some Japanese teams who thought that uh, Japanese fans would not want to root for someone who is half Iranian. Um, and Sadaharu Oh faced, faced the same sort of discrimination in his career because Sadaharu Oh is ethnically Chinese, in, um, even though he grew up in Japan. And so I, it's really interesting to me that that new bar is playing, and I'm curious to see how that's being perceived in Japan as to whether because they certainly don't they certainly don't need Lars new bar, <laughs> which is why it's interesting that's happening. This isn't this isn't like Italy where you know as we were discussing Italy 
it, if you feel the team of Italian Americans, Italy is clearly putting a, a, a better team on the field. Japan doesn't need Lars Nukbar. Oh, he's um, pretty good. He is pretty good. He is pretty good. But they have they they got people who can do what he do what he does. I'm happy for him. I saw I saw a clip of him when he was like 10 years old, talking about how he wanted to play for Japan when he grows up, and it's a meaningful part of his heritage and his background. Um, so I think that's really cool for him. Just I was I was really surprised to see it when I saw that that was happening. All right. Next up, I'm taking the Netherlands. Oh, that's who I was deciding between. We were we had the same picks this round. It was just going to matter of who chose which. Yeah. I mean, they have Xander. That's great. They mm-hmm. have Kenley Jansen. That's fun. Well, they, maybe. Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, in theory, yeah. they have the Profar boys. Uh, they got Didi Gregorius. They got some players. They probably won't win it all, but they're fun. They wear orange. And I have to say, their caps are so fly pains me because if you go on the list of the teams Australia, Canada, China, Chinese Taipei, Colombia, Cuba, Czech Republic, Dominican Republic, Great Britain, Israel, Italy, Japan, Kingdom of the Netherlands, Korea, Mexico, Nicaragua, Panama, blah, 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 blah. They have a crown on their hat that is just so cool that that just bumps them up uh, on top of Xander and on top of uh, Jared Jurgens, who's also back. Yeah, it's also funny to me because unlike, say, you know, Great Britain, for oh, example. Oh, Hensley Mullins is the manager. Is he? Yeah. There you go, Bam Bam. Um, does he coach in Japan? I don't know. I think he does now. Um, anyway, but um, it's, it's you're right about the crown. What's funny about the crown is, like, just to take Great Britain in this tournament for as an example, like, the the – Obviously, the British royal family is is highly intertwined with the identity of Great Britain and England in general. And at least I don't think of the Dutch royal family as as anything as having sort of any meaning in in today's day and age. So it's interesting to me that they do stamp the crown right on the hat like that. But they're you know, they're hey. trying the Dutch royal family right now are the Verstappens um, and my F one fan friends will understand that uh completely and totally all right now wait a minute hold on is that uh, are, are those just really good race car drivers or is this a case as is the case with many of these like european royal families are there actual members of the dutch royal family who just drive really fast and are good at f1 no so it's funny that you mentioned that because there are not royal families but uh, in F1, you will get two to three drivers per year whose parents are basically bankrolling the entire team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're mm-hmm. called paid drivers. And that is not the case with Max Verstappen, Verstappen, who is the two-time reigning world champ and the clear favorite to win it again this year, whose father was F1 driver, but not as good. And the amusing part, which I learned on F1 Drive to Survive, which I just finished this week, also started it this week, was that Michael Schumacher, who was the F1 champion, one of the two or three greatest drivers of all time, was a driver at the same time as Joss Verstappen, who's Max's father. Mick Schumacher basically couldn't cut it in F1. And there are these pictures of Michael Schumacher as a 20-something holding 
Max Verstappen and his own son. And you'd say, well, which one of these two is going to be the undisputed, like next best driver? Um, not next because Lewis Hamilton came in between, but it's like you're holding your son and the future world champion, but they're not the same person. So that's just a quick aside. Uh, you're up next. Go ahead. All right. For next pick, uh, I am going to go with Taiwan. Taiwan is another country that you could say similar to Venezuela underachieves a little bit, at least in the sense that, you know, Taiwan has a pretty successful domestic league of its own. Taiwan has produced talented major leaguers. Um, Really in the sense that I think they've underachieved is of course that like, you know, for people like our age, you know, we remember how good the Taiwanese teams always were in the little league world series back in like the eighties and the nineties. Now I think there was maybe some age cheating going on there but still nevertheless like growing up i always viewed taiwan as an emerging baseball powerhouse that hasn't quite happened yet with the exception of like chen ming wong um but i would like to see them get there i think it would be if if taiwan could get a little closer to the level of korea um that would really help in in my dream like i said to have sort of more regular international baseball tournaments if there's like an East Asian tournament that regularly pitted the best of Japan against Korea and Taiwan, that would be fun. So I want to see Taiwan uh, have some success and hope that that can, can spur some uh, some more success in their in their domestic baseball development. They do have Stuway Lin on the team, who I really like. <laughs> I really is you know it, it's been a couple of years now since he since he had had his time with the Red Sox, but I always really liked him. Loved his swing, loved his athleticism. He's, he's hitting right in the middle of their order for them. He's been really solid um, since he left the major leagues. So I like them. I like the team. The Taiwanese domestic league is fascinating in general because it's got all sorts of corruption scandals involving the Taiwanese mafia. There have been kidnappings. There's been game-fixing scandals. Um, so it's exciting. It's fun. Taiwan, I like them. That's a good pick. I, I We didn't expressly say this at the beginning of the exercise, but I think there's an undercurrent of, we sort of don't even have to pick the U.S. in this because you either probably want the U.S. I, to win or you don't. I actively do not want the U.S. Right, to me win. too. And But my point being that don't let that dissuade you folks. If you are rooting for Uncle Sam, we get it. But yeah. that's just not, uh, not yeah. my bag. I, I for for the U.S. I have a weird relationship with the U.S. and international sports. I think a lot of people do. Uh, I'm a huge supporter of the U.S. national soccer teams because we are underdogs there. But like in the Olympics, I, I will frequently find myself rooting for other countries to beat us in sports like swimming and track and field, where we are just so dominant. And then with this tournament in particular, because as I've been saying, like one of my beefs with this tournament for years has been that the U.S. doesn't take it seriously enough that I actually would like to see. I, I was a little upset when we won last time around because my theory was that if we keep getting our asses handed to us, then that will finally spur us to take it more seriously. The dream team Both effect. Players. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't mind us losing this tournament at all. I think – I think us losing this tournament is is the best thing for the growth of the tournament going forward. Well, let's get into my next pick then. I'll pick Canada because it would be oh. no greater justice than for Canada to do it. People like Freddie Freeman. I just like the idea of Canada sort of, actually, do I want Canada? 
Oh, actually, I think I need to backtrack. Mm. I think I'd prefer Mexico. All right. I, I have thoughts on this, but go ahead. Explain. Just trying to think of what would be more humiliating to the U.S. Ah, no, I'll stick with Canada. I'll stick with Canada. Think, Mexico's like, Canada yeah. Mexico is a plainly better team. So, like, that's just yeah. – that's not a question. So, I'm going to stick with Canada. Canada, I think, would be more humiliating, uh, particularly because this is not a particularly good Canadian team. Um, Freddie Freeman's on the team, sure. Freddie Freeman's not actually Canadian. <laughs> and again, it's, it's a similar story. Like, Canada has had plenty of great baseball players. Um, you know, like Larry Walker is Canadian, Justin Morneau. Uh, there, there, there have been plenty of Canadian baseball stars that they – they're 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 never going to be good enough to get into the tier of the U.S., Dominican Republic, Venezuela. But every four years, Canada, every now and again, Canada should be able to put together a roster that has a few all stars on it, and you know will at least be respectable and and can advance out of the first round in this tournament. This roster, Freddie Freeman aside, is not that good. No, <laughs> that, that's is. why. That's why it'd be fun because it'd be plucky. Yeah, I mean, who's gonna? Who's there? Game one starter. I don't even know. Matt Brash, probably. Yeah, I suppose it is. I love Matt. I mean, it would have been, I guess it would have been, it would have been Pavetta if he didn't get COVID. It definitely would have been Pavetta. I mean, this team is rough, but yeah, it's it really rough. But um, if it worked, it would bad. be fun. You know, you know who could have played for this, and that would have been interesting. Vladdy could have played for Team Canada. He was born there. Sure could have. Yeah. But I would well, also would make you? the choice. He, well, the other <laughs> yeah, part I is would. that he, maybe if he didn't play in Toronto, he would want to more, but he's like, I already basically play for the Canadian. Yeah. Team. I'm doing, I'm doing my part for the people of Canada. <laughs> All right. Your last, your last them. proper pick. And then we'll, we, I have some spare thoughts after we're done. Um. Okay. You took Mexico. No, I they, took Canada. Oh, you did take Canada. Right, right. Okay. Uh, so Mexico is still on the board. This is a strong Mexican roster. I'll, I'll take Mexico here. Um, they've, they've also been underachievers. If you want to dig into it, there's some real drama surrounding the Mexican team in past tournaments, and the drama was caused in large part by Adrian Gonzalez, is my understanding, uh, that he and his brother essentially tried to like really take over the Mexican national team. Uh, and, and, a, and a lot of people weren't happy with his leadership. So the, the Gonzalez brothers are out of the way. Verdugo's on there. Randy Arosarena, <laughs> who at that, I, I'm, I, I don't know why. I, I know. So he, he, of course, is Cuban. Um, and when he defected, he defected through Mexico. So he has decided to play for Mexico. I'm very curious about that decision. Uh, and I haven't heard him speak as to why he chose Mexico over Cuba. Uh, but he's there, and they actually have with Julio Rios now. Like they do now have a starter that can and match up with just about anyone. That's true. And then they got Patty Sands. Yeah, and um, Taiwan so Walker. Like they have live arms. They and, do. They do. And they have the arm that will never die. Oliver Perez. Wait, shut up. He's playing. He's on the team. Shut up. Love it. Oh my God. That is wow. I did not realize that. How old is he? Uh, he is 
42. Oh my God. Well, actually, he's 41 you know now. He's 40. He's 41 now. He'll be 42 in um, August. Okay. That is actually a little bit younger than I would have guessed. <laughs> I would have His said his arm like is 75. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's cool. So yeah, all right. Yeah, I like this Mexico team. This 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 should be one of their more competitive teams. Jaron Duran's coming out party. <laughs> if he keeps hitting like he's been hitting the Grapefruit League so far, we'll see. My last pick has got to be Czech Republic because it's the one small country that seems to have earned its way in through strictly bootstrapping absolutely and that's really admirable i was shocked i had no idea when i was looking at the the country list also that pakistan feel or no was it pakistan i think they did in the prelims had a team but the fact that the czech republic is here matched with uh what you were telling me about their baseball culture any single positive moment they have will just be cool as hell Absolutely. absolutely so i'm i'm all for that and uh, they, do, they do have Eric Sogard, but the rest of the roster is almost entirely – oh, wait, who's the guy? I should look this up. There is one – who is it? It's got – uh, we'll follow this up for next week. There is a, a young player in the Czech Republic who is a, a legitimate prospect, like could be a very good major leader. I'm going to just look through the names see if any of them – I'm fairly prospect literate, but he might not be in college yet. <laughs> he, might, gotcha. he might be a, he, it, I, yeah, I should have looked this up. He might uh, be a guy who's like going to play for a major D1 program. So, like, there's a lot of teams that are charming because the countries are charmingly small, like in theory, like Nicaragua, Panama, Israel, like all these, you get that, but they're not the same. This is. Yeah. Or this is like organic and it's wild in this day and age to see it happen with baseball in a way that you've seen it far more often happen with like basketball, where like the basketball Absolutely. culture emerges and it, and it and it bubbles up. So that's cool. Before I stop talking though, I'm gonna I will mention my honor, my runner, my honorable mentions and dishonorable mention for the US jerseys, which are ghastly, absolutely ghastly. Terrible. Are they wearing the same uniforms they've always worn? Uh, they're just awful. But not either. awful are Israel's pinstripe uniforms and Israel's hats. Both awesome. Obviously, if you if you can, if you so choose to rock that stuff, you'll look amazing. That stuff is cool. And then as far as caps go, France did not make this round. France's hat is amazing. And China's cap, they did make this round, is awesome. It's red. All the caps have a flag on the side. Uh, but they have a, a C, but the top of the C is a is a dragon. It's a golden mm, dragon. Yeah, that is really that cool. is cool as hell. That's so cool those, as hell. What those, uh, what was so what was so nice about the the French? It's hat? just clean. It's just clean. Just like a clean, I like the cleanliness of F. it. The cleanliness yeah. of it, and also uh, because. But I'm I'm sort of discounting the hats, and I think this is true of Israel. So you can take that off, like the hats that have been sort of static. I mean. The Mexico PR DR, maybe the US, but I never see any specifically those Venezuela caps have been pretty consistent from the first WBC. And living in New York, I see you know a lot of those, specifically DR, like mostly 
mostly DR in Mexico. Um, and they're cool, but I, I also like Seth Africa's hat, but they didn't make it either. So yeah. Australia, has, Australia's hat, I think deserves a shout out. They have. Uh, the, uh, so here was my thing with Australia's hat. It's basically the A's hat. Okay. But the problem is the green, the not, problem is not with the green and the yellow. Green and yellow is awesome. A's that cap is like one of the iconic caps in baseball, period. Imho. But because they have the flag on the side and the flag is blue, it sort of just offsets it a little bit for me. It's kind of why I like that's, the France cap because the, the colors all work together. So that's that's a fair point. And it is always funny that there are so many countries whose national sporting colors are completely different than their flag colors. The Nether the <laughs> Netherlands would would like a word. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you don't you don't like the way that the Australian A incorporates oh, I love it. the constellation, the the Southern Cross. That's, I love it, but yeah, it's cool. But so does the flag, which is in a different color on the side. Mm, so they have two they have one constellation too many on the hat. Okay, I can buy that. It's if there was no buy. flag on the hat, I would be like, it's it's so great that even I could buy one because as much as I'd like an A's hat, I I'm at the age where I don't. I won't buy a non-Red Sox hat, almost certainly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like it, Team USA has not changed its uniform at all in, in every iteration of the WBC. I get, which, which you know what? I, like, I, I guess if they're doing that because they're trying to build up a brand identity, um, then I appreciate that. But I do think, yeah, the, the hat with the big kind of garish star, I don't care for. Ryan LaVarnway on, uh, on the Israeli team. Fan oh, should we get him on the pod? I think we should get him. I I was actually he has a blog. Do you know that? He's, he's uh, got like a blog. He just writes about stuff. It's not always just about baseball either. He just writes about stuff. I have a I have a, a friend who I've met who's a crossword guy. Like he's a judge at the crossword convention. He's published before. His favorite athlete of all time is Ryan Lavarnway, who now knows this very well because I think he is the only person whose favorite athlete is Ryan Lavarnway, and he has. <laughs> Signed jerseys from, I believe, every stop in Ryan LaVarnway's career and has stuff that Ryan LaVarnway has like preemptively sent to him for being oh, like, wow. his okay. ride or die. So it makes me That's like Ryan LaVarnway even more. And Blyer is on the Israel team too, as is Jock Blyer's Peterson, Israel, which is yeah. which yeah. is just hilarious because of his broness. So it's it's fun, but I think that's it for the WBC. We got any recommendations for this week, Dan? I I do have a recommendation. Uh, I'm going to recommend a website that I uh, sometimes just rabbit hole myself down. Uh, it's it's you you may have heard of it. It's not the most obscure website, but it's called Map Junction. And um, what you can do is you put an address in there, and whatever address you want to go to, it will give you the option of looking at the same spot overlaid with whatever historic maps they have of the same area. Um, so, you know, if you're looking in a, in a more rural or suburban area, you might not have that many choices. You might only have like four or five maps from 1850 on that you can look at. But if you go like downtown Boston or New York City, you have the choice of like dozens i don't even know maybe it's even over 100 maps that you can look at and look at the same exact location and see what it, how is how it's looked for the last 300 years um i i love doing this every and just i i forget about this website and then just like every few months something will trigger it in my head 
and I will go to Map Junction to look up something, and then I will spend the next two hours just on the couch next to my wife looking at old maps while she watches TV. Uh, it's a great great way to kill some time if you're looking to procrastinate. MapJunction.com. Man, that is straight up my alley. Check it out. I don't you know if I have any pressing recommendations. So I'll just do a soft one. I've been making pizza and I got a pizza stone. I couldn't perfect it. It's just harder to use. I just used a pan last night. Just use a pan. If you're making pizza, pizza use a pan. It, I made the, the crust worked. It was easy. You just push it to the edge of the pan. Yeah, I could get a pizza pan too, but like I just used a regular pan and it was great. Really, n- not much uh, Not much this week. The, the little idiot phone game I've been playing is not one I'm going to recommend. And that's what I thought was going to be it, but I, I'm not even going to give it a shout out because I'm disappointed in myself for playing it and disappointed in it for having ensnared me. So. I don't think I don't think I've ever once had homemade pizza where I wasn't like I this should I just would have been better off ordering a pizza from an actual pizza place. <laughs> Not one. It's the oven. The oven is the issue. The oven unless is the you issue. have unless, and and I know a lot of people do have these now these like thousand dollar Williams and Sonoma ovens that get up to you know six hundred fifty degrees. No 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 nine hundred degrees. Is it 900? I have a friend of mine has one and he's like, gets up to 900 degrees. You put the pizza in there for like a minute tops. Yeah. If you can do that, if you got that, maybe it's, maybe it's worth it. And it's, it's a fun thing to do at home, but I've, I've never in my life had homemade pizza. It's better than restaurant pizza. Oh, I'm not saying it's better, but it's way cheaper. That's all. And I get to make the dough and making the dough is like meditative in its way. And you get to like, push and pull shit did you recommend making homemade pizza like three episodes i think i recommend making dough making dough okay (laughs) yeah we haven't been doing this show for that long we we really shouldn't be repeating as often as we. this was the least you don't even have a recommendation every time so just be thankful that i had one fair enough fair enough yeah fair enough because i would i would rather pass on the recommendation than recommend something fine the movie the movie croupier or croupier with uh oh that movie sucks are you kidding me no i like it i'm only i'm only halfway through it Uh, it's very heavy it's very i mean i watched the sting do you want me to recommend that it's like one of the greatest movies The Sting is phenomenal i know but everybody knows that maybe they don't because they're young watch the sting don't watch croupier Order your pizza and just watch The Sting because The Sting is incredible. Can I give you a very minor spoiler about Croupier that you haven't seen yet? That, that and I hate. I think about. I think about this scene all the time. I Go hate it, it so much. Okay. So as you know, you're halfway through it. Clive Owen plays a struggling writer. Uh, well, I um, really do hate the struggling writer trope stuff. Really well, well, wait, well, wait till you hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> he plays a struggling writer who ends up working uh, in a casino, and there's all sorts of suspenseful. I don't even. I don't even remember the plot. I know it. There's twists and turns and whatnot. Yada yada yada. I will just tell you this: <clears throat> there is a scene towards the end of the movie where Clive Owen is riding in the London tube. And he looks around and he sees just like seven other people reading his book. 
and the people are reading it and they're all and they're looking at it and they're all like nodding with a smile on their face. Oh yes, that's a good line. Oh, I'm enjoying it. That that has never happened to any writer ever in the history of the written word. Where you, it's first like it, it's the the story. Every now and again, you'll hear a, a very popular author tell a story of seeing somebody read their book out in the wild. It's extremely rare. Clive Owen in this movie sees like seven people in his subway car doing it. And he just like looks around. He's just like looks and smiles. He's like, yeah, I did it. I just gotta hate that fucking scene so much. Dan hates movie magic. I will say what resonated with me was when his uh, girlfriend, wife, whatever, when she's starting to sour on him. I'm not a gambler, so this is not the case for me where she's like, I, I wanted to... I wanted to live with a writer, not a gambler or something. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. So I was a writer and I was married and now I'm sort of not a writer and I'm not. I wonder, I wonder if the dream, What you know what? Enough about that. You got anything else, Dan? I got nothing else. No, that's it. That has been the first edition of the Monsters of Socks podcast. An hour and a half. We did it. We did it. We didn't we did get it. anything to talk about today. They thought they thought we couldn't, but we did. Uh, we probably should have taken a second ad break somewhere in there. It's okay. The ads aren't going to go in anyway. They never do. Yeah. Fair. yeah. For Dan Secatori, this is Brian Joyner. We will talk to you almost certainly next week. Thank you Take for care, listening. Brian. Yes. Great ending by me, guys. Everybody. Great ending by me. <laughs> <laughs>